Rania, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I am so excited to chat with you today. To kick off, do you just want to share a bit about yourself and your background? Yeah, absolutely. My name is Shana Francesca. Um, I am, my work focuses around intentional living and leadership. I'm the founder and CEO of Consonate LLC. And my background is I grew up in a really difficult environment. And I very quickly learned that I wasn't safe to be seen, heard, or understood. And in craft, learning to craft my physical environment and learning to make room for myself, I learned just how vitally important it was for all people. And that eventually led me to get my BS in interior design, uh, which and my interior design work coming from this really, this beautiful place of um, facilitating phys- our physical environment to support us both emotionally and physically and spiritually um, led me to my work now around intentional living and leadership. Because, uh, and I say the connection is between interior design, our physical environment, and interior design, our interior personal environment. Wow, that is that is so beautiful. And what were you what were you doing before you created Consonant? Working as an interior designer for other working people. as an okay, and then. Yeah. What made you create your own company? Yeah. So I recognized throughout my career, and I worked for other people for 12 years, I recognized throughout my career that there was this significant lack of recognition of the connection between our psychological safety and our physical environment, and that it should be a authentic reflection of who we are, and it should support us, not us support it, right? Mm. Um and there was, and still now it's so pervasive that interior design shows up as a function of marketing and branding solely rather than recognizing that marketing and branding should be an authentic reflection of who we are, right? And that who we are in our individuality should be celebrated. But not only that, but should be honored as our place within this ecosystem of the community, of the mm. world, of human beings, of, right? Because we all are this beautiful, important part of an ecosystem, right? Because human beings are a part of nature, right? And I think we forget that. Mm. Um, and so there was this lack of this understanding of human beings' place in the ecosystem of the world within interior design in the commercial world in that, you know, not just commercially, but but for ourselves individually, like people usually relate it to something like HDTV or what they see on Netflix, right? And so I removed myself from that and started my own business. And I actually was doing it part-time about two years before I did it full-time for myself. Yeah. Wow. And at, at which point did you like marry the two, the interior design basically what we see on yeah. the outside the beauty of the outside yeah. and it's and it was it's usually when, when I think about interior design it's like when you get to that level in your life then you know then you'll get an interior designer to come in mm. but when yeah. you think about it personally it should be a process that you look at you know from a very young age but I yeah. I absolutely love the concept so when when did when did it come to you that this is something that going from like external to internal and to like you as an individual? Yeah. First, I wanted to, you know, my goal was always to make interior design accessible to all people because I recognized its vital role for every Mm. single human being. But I made that connection when I realized that my clients were identifying, like I knew that there was this very much this coaching aspect to my work as an interior designer, but I didn't 
know if my clients valued it as much as I wanted them to. Okay. Right. Like I knew that they valued it, but I didn't know if they singularly were connecting with it, I guess is the better way to say it. And saw it as a standalone value. Uh, and then uh, one of my clients uh, is the head of uh, neuroanesthesiology at UPenn, uh, which is a very prestigious uh, teaching. Uh, and one out of every six physicians in the world was educated there. Wow. And he said to me, you know, I tell everybody that you're my life coach and my interior designer. And I was like, you do? Okay, great. Because at that moment, I recognized that that my clients were recognizing and I was truly connecting with them in that capacity. And that's when I was like, okay, I think I've got it to the place where now this can morph into something mm -hmm. much bigger where I can have these conversations with people about life design, about intentional living and leadership and and I can I can get it to more people, right? Because the cost of attending one of my virtual workshops is forty, fifty, sixty dollars, right? Depending on the link. Um, but and it gives you a wealth of information to implement into your life, right? Hiring me as an interior designer, that's two hundred and fifty dollars an hour, right? So I just wanna, you know, I wanna make sure that in my work there's there's ways for different people to be able to access this information mm. and 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 democratize the information. Mm, I love I love that. And you mentioned like living a life of intention. Yeah. How how does how does that differ from like someone intentionally living versus just I'm living my life and I'm going through the motions? Yeah. I think so much of our world teaches us to live our life and go through the motions by taking so much of our attention. Right. Mm -hmm. And when we can sit with and get connected to curiosity, we can start to recognize that there are aspects of our world in which we are taking for granted or we are not really leaning into or truly understanding, right? Because we as human beings are part of nature, we're part of an ecosystem, but oftentimes we are exerting our will onto that ecosystem. We are trying to manipulate it for our benefit while harming the rest of yeah. the planet, right? And so, you know, I think that's a deep part of of understanding where my work is coming from and i definitely forgot the rest of your question what was your question <laughs> <laughs> it, it was just about like the the difference between yes intentional okay. living versus you know going through life yes yeah. yes yeah thank you for repeating the question yeah so the difference in living intentionally is is practicing being accountable for the consequences of our actions right scientifically physics tells us for every action there's an equal and opposite reaction and mm. all too often in our lives we aren't taking time to recognize the consequences of our actions good or bad consequences can a variety of things right but when we can take ownership of those consequences when we decide okay this is who i want to be in the world and this is how i'm going to take action in the world and take responsibility for the consequences of our actions is when we begin to live intentionally and it starts to change the way that we show up for ourselves the way that we show yeah. up for others the way that we show up in the world and it angers us into joy and what are like like when you mentioned you know being intentional about the actions and taking time to reflect on it what are some of the the tips that you have for one to start living uh, their life more intentionally yeah i say let's start small 
right? Let's practice small. Let's practice in ways that feel really accessible to us mm-hmm. um, and, and that we can practice in the safety of our own home because who we are uh, in our private life is who we become in our public life, right? And so it's really important that we understand that one is deeply tied and connected to the other, right? Um, and so uh, for myself in my own life, right? One of the ways that I started practicing being intentional and started to help my brain to start leaning into that, help my brain to start practicing that was thinking about, okay, every single day I take a shower, right? I put on clean clothes. I, I, uh, you know, I sleep in my bed, right? And I, and all of these different things have smells to them, right? Just follow me here for a minute. Scent is our strongest connection to memory and emotion, right? We, most of us don't consciously recognize that. But then if I say, think about your favorite person, your favorite family member, maybe it's your grandmother or your grandfather or whatever, usually immediately, especially grandmothers, this tends to trigger this for people is you think about the thing that she cooks that's your favorite. Mm. And you think about the way her house smells or the way that she smells when you hug her, right? And then you get this big smile on your face, right? And it could be an aunt, a grandparent, a parent. It could be a brother. It could be anyone, right? But we think about the way that people smell and it kind of triggers this smile on our face when we think about that person, right? The same thing in our own lives. So I started to think about what if I got intentional about the sense that I surround myself with in my life, right? And I thought about the ways in which I needed to be supported. Like maybe this is a particularly stressful week or month and lavender happens to be a smell that a scent that helps to trigger relaxation for me because I always think about it when getting a massage or when I'm taking a bath or something, right? Mm. So what if I buy laundry detergent and body wash and shampoo and deodorant and all of these things that have lavender as the scent and then they all work together to help remind me to relax and stay present, right? And stay in my own body in the moment, right? And helps to trigger that because once we create a scent memory, it's really almost impossible to rewrite that scent memory. So since lavender is something that's present for me as relaxation, every time I burn that, I can, I can feel myself go, right? Yeah. And take a big old deep breath, right? And so that is traveling around with me every single day when I get intentional about the scent that are on my body and in my environment every single day. And we can take that one step further and say that, especially if we work small or when we're working in general, I might burn one particular scent of a candle or I might spritz the air with a, with a uh, some kind of essential oil or even put it on my body that when I'm working, that scent is present, right? But then when I stop working, that candle gets closed up and put away, or I remove myself in that room. And when my, I can no longer smell that smell, then mm. it's like, okay, we're done working now, right? Mm, okay. So, or you could use a scent to trigger when you're done working as opposed <laughs> to working, right? We can, we can play with it to see in what ways it, it, it helps to support us in moving through our day, feeling more connected to ourselves and our emotions, right? And that's just one simple example of the ways in which intentionality can become a practice. I love that so much. I think everyone's going to go buy them lavender right now. (laughs) (laughs) I hope so. I hope so. The lavender industry can thank me. (laughs) And I mean, I absolutely love that because now also uh, everywhere or anywhere you go, if you smell lavender, 
immediately it's going to make you just take a deep breath in and out. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. um, and you're so right with with smells. It just brings back like typically the best memories. I yeah. haven't had a smell bring back like a really terrible memory, at least not yet. Yeah, I, I don't know that I have too many specifically that I can recall that are yeah. negative. I recall more the positive ones. And that's the other thing is that, you know, we we have so many positive scent memories, right? And yeah. we can create new ones. And so like using that to our advantage, especially because the world is so stressful and so overwhelming sometimes to be able to use that, you know, to remind ourselves that there is hope there is joy in this world and to help us to anchor into that is really important. Yeah, so good. So with interior design, uh, you focus yeah. on the kitchen and the bedroom and all those different you know, a- aspects of the house um, or, yeah. or the place that you are doing the work for. So when it comes to life design, what are what are some of like the areas that one should focus on? Yeah, I say... Um, for me, life design is, is so it's like life design, the definition of that is intentional living and leadership. And the definition of intentional living and leadership, I break that down into curiosity, like be curious, plus be respectful, times practicing accountability Mm. equals intentional living, leadership, and community, right? So it's that, that connection between practicing being curious practicing being respectful, practicing accountability, and the combination of those three things interweaving with each other starts to naturally, it will naturally, as we practice those things, lead us into intentional living. It's not like, it's almost like you don't have a choice. (laughs) Once you start (laughs) practicing those three things, it leads you right into, yeah, it leads you right into it. Yeah. And I found that when I like, Last week, I was going through the motions and I realized that, you know, it's it's not working out for me. And with, I mean, the word control is, I, feel, I sometimes feel like it's such a heavy word, but at it the is. same time, I feel like intentional living allows you to uh, have have somewhat of control. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I know what you're getting at. And so I have made this transformation instead of control. I look at connection, right? Mm. Right. Because control is hanging on to something, even when it no longer belongs to us or never doesn't serve us. And it becomes a kind of a security blanket sort of thing, right? Control does not recognize the autonomy or the purpose of the thing we're trying to hold on to, mm. or the thing we're trying to, con- or the thing we're trying to, dis- you know, force to go in a specific direction or happen in a specific way or create a specific end result. Control doesn't exist. It's mm. not real, <laughs> right? <laughs> if instead we look at connection, and connection looks like me recognizing the importance of another person, thing, organism right? Recognizing its importance, its purpose within this world, within this ecosystem, and me extending my hand towards it, right? Getting curious, being respectful, right? Practicing Mm -hmm. accountability in that relationship with that thing. It looks like an open hand extended and that thing choosing to also grab our hand, right? And, Mm -hmm. And to move through life with us rather than us dragging it with us. Right. Yeah, yeah. So definitely looking at 
connection instead of control. Mm, I I love that word because um, with setting like that intention and thinking about it in a way of of connection, um, yeah, it's 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 letting go of that control. Yeah, Uh, you yeah yeah setting your intention and I I know like every time I've set my intention on something um or you know starting the day it's always very important for me to set my intention for the day and it it gives you that sense of peace and that calmness going into the day yeah 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 it's like setting a direction on a compass rather than mapping every step we take right so that's that that becomes a difference because when we're when we are setting a direction on a compass, we're going to come across difficulties and struggles and we might fall in, you know, fall into a ditch or roll our ankle or we might have to climb a hill. But the compass is taking us back and reminding us what direction we're heading, mm-hmm. even when we come across struggles and difficulties. If we've mapped out the exact in contrast, if we've mapped out the exact route we want to and expect to take. Then all of a sudden, when life throws us into a situation that we didn't expect because it's not on the map, now it's throwing us off, right? Now we've got to recalculate. Now we've got to reconfigure the entire map. Whereas if we just set a direction, right, we're not having to waste the energy on constantly calculating. We're just focused on the journey and the growth Mm. and the learning and the journey rather than trying to control the path we take. Yeah. And um, Shada, what are some of the, like the problems or the challenges that your clients would come to you with? Yeah. I think it depends on, you know, every single person. I, I coach people one-on-one individually. I also coach leaders. I also coach group, do group coaching with all kinds of leaders and people and individuals. And then I do group coaching with inside of corporations. And I also do, um, you know, lead workshops and speak. And so, you know, there's a variety of different, um, difficulties that people come to me with. Oftentimes, my favorite thing is that I just get to reframe it for them, right? Just like we reframed control versus connection, right? Just helping them to reframe that conversation is typically the thing that people are coming to me for, to help them see a much broader way of addressing things and a much Mm. more human and much more natural way of addressing things, right? Because We've been taught to try to force our will on things, but when we can take a step back and we can gather more information, we can get curious, right? Yeah. Now we can see. Uh, now we can see that the thing we thought was a problem may not be a problem at all, right? It's just challenging the way we view the world, and if we can help to reframe the way we view the world, it's no longer a problem, right? It's a pathway to growth. Mm. So good. I was chatting with someone today because we were, we were discussing the past few weeks. And in those moments, certain things that we were dealing with, the, the challenge seemed like this huge mountain. And when you look at it back at it today, it's like, why did you spend so much time stressing about it? Yeah. So, so what what can what can one do in the moment when they have to reframe it by themselves? Yeah, I think it's important to remember that fear is simply the recognition, right, that we have gone to the boundary of what we thought we ourselves capable of. It's the indication that there's more learning required in this moment, right? It's not a bad thing necessarily, right? If we choose to ignore it 
and not move through life with the fear, then it could become a bad thing, right? <laughs> but if we decide to move through life with fear, then we get to learn and be and grow and change, right? And I think in the moment, it can feel really stressful because this world tells us we're supposed to know everything, mm-hmm. right? And so when fear comes up, it's also coupled with this, wait a second, I don't know everything, right? And people might find out, right? And yeah. then I might be a failure, right? But if yeah. instead we reframe it and say, no, this is an opportunity for me to get curious and learn something new and expand and become more powerful and more present as who I am and more purposeful in my life. Mm. Uh, Or perhaps my purpose gets to change just a little, right? I get to recalibrate that purpose based on the new information I have. Now fear doesn't become a place of stress. It becomes a place of exploration and discovery, right? And that reframing can be deeply powerful. Well, I think you, you just explained fear so powerfully and you broke it down into simple terms because that that's exactly what it is it's because you have never experienced it or you don't have knowledge on that specific yeah. you know uh, topic that has happened and that's why you are making it you know this huge thing yeah but instead just think about it as like you say an opportunity for you to learn and expand so that next time when you experience something like this you you'll be ready for it yeah exactly Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. So how do you how do you set your intention for your day and for your life? First, I start as I would like to say every day, but sometimes it doesn't happen. <laughs> I start almost every day in my life with meditation. It's really deeply important for me. And if it doesn't happen first thing in the morning, it happens soon after. That moment of taking in and of being present and taking a breath in and out. And just recognizing I'm alive and my body's supporting me and I'm here and I have a purpose is so deeply important. And there's so much research that shows it helps to shrink the fear part of our brain, right? So we start to look at fear differently. We start to experience fear differently just through meditation, right? And so that starts out that intentional part of my day. And then um, usually right after that, I'm listening to an auto, a, a book. I'm listening to some kind of book, something that's connecting me to what I might need coming upcoming in this next week or a couple of weeks or this month, right? Something that's helping to nourish me and helping me to feel better supported in the world and to be able to better support myself and my clients. And then usually at some point in time, you know, I'm taking a walk, right? I'm I'm scheduling these things into my life, right? And usually during my meditation, after I'm my her my head is clear right before I start listening to a book, my head is clear and I can say, okay, today, you know, this is what I this is what I want to sh- this is how I want to show up today. I want to show up through, you know, maybe it's practicing one of my one of my talks, right, or practicing one of my workshops, or maybe I'm editing it and say today I just want to be able to show up powerfully for myself in moving through this process, right? Mm. Or maybe today I want to show up. And I want to really lean into happiness or joy today. I want to make sure that I'm present in my body today because there's a lot going on. So I want to make sure I'm consciously taking a breath in and out, you know, before or after meetings, right? So I just kind of, it's not like a to-do list is established. Again, it's more like direction on a compass. How do I want to be inside my own body today? How do I want to show up? Oh, beautiful. And do you have a nighttime routine as well? Yeah. Um, I don't know about anyone else in the world, but I love like a clean face and a set of comfortable pajamas. 
(laughs) (laughs) And so one of those beautiful indications for me that the working day is done is to be able to wash my face and put my hair up in a scrunchie and put on some comfortable clothes um, and to be able to put some lavender on my wrists, right? And be able to kind of, or on my hands and like breathe that in to kind of indicate to myself, okay, the working day is done. Now it's time for me to relax, right? And on days when I can, one of my favorite meditations is like in connecting to my creativity is cooking. I love to be able to like chop some vegetables and just kind of be present with that very focused, very repetitive thing, right? It becomes very meditative for me. Um, so, so there's just different things that I, I let, I let myself just, you know, stop just be thinking. in the moment. Yeah, just be in the moment and and not stop thinking, but but not my thoughts, not just be like a freight train, but to to get them to kind of slow their pace just a little. Yeah, and um. Can we talk about like spending time alone? How important yeah. is that? Yeah, I for me, I love spending time alone and I need people. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's true for all of us, right? And I think there's this interesting thing for me. And I think, again, this is true for all people is that it depends on who I'm spending time with, how much mm. recovery I might need from that, right? Um, and so time alone for me looks like reading right it could be fiction nonfiction, self-help all like there's a lot of study around the importance of fiction and reading fiction and putting ourselves in someone else's story it helps us to process the world around us really beautifully um so you know that kind of alone time where i'm doing something that i enjoy right um is really important for me uh and then and and that's not like not like TV time or like screen time on my phone. It has to be completely separate from that. Because if I spend time alone, but I'm consistently consuming information on a screen, that doesn't feel like restorative alone time to me. Sometimes that mm. makes me feel even more lonely, right? Yeah. So, uh, so for me, it's like, can I get into a book? Can I call a friend? right? Because I could be home alone and talking to a friend, right? Or we could just watch a movie at the same time or, you know, there's all these different things that we can do where I can, I can lean into my own time or maybe I sketch or maybe I paint something like this weekend I was painting my shed, right? So there's this beautiful time to spend time alone, but then sometimes it's nice to just be alone together with someone else, right? To have a friend, even if you're just working, together at the same time you're not even having to talk to each other and having that that presence of someone else who's just there and you're supporting each other silently yeah yeah I I think I I completely agree I think both of those things are very important and again like it does depend on the people like you said that you because some people um might drain you and then other people might give you (laughs) Uh more Uh more energy so you earlier you spoke about uh you know listening to an audiobook. Is yeah. that is that are you listening to an audiobook while you are doing something else? I just want to get mm-hmm. your thoughts around multitasking. Yeah. yeah, multitasking is a lie. It doesn't really it's not really <laughs> a thing. However, I do think that there are there are two different parts of our brain, right? There's like the conscious part and the unconscious part, right? And I'm not a neuroscientist, so please, this is like my 
very simplistic explanation as it's coming out of my mouth right now. Um, there are tasks that we do that we can kind of do unconsciously, right? Like they're repetitive, they're muscle memory, like washing the dishes. Or for me, it's like unloading dishwasher. So in the morning, I have this practice of I start, I kick off my audiobook and I always straighten up the kitchen every morning because it feels like no matter how many times I clean the kitchen at night in the morning, there seems to be fresh crumbs somewhere or like I forgot to sweep the floor or something. So I've made a practice every morning. I wipe off all the kitchen counters again, right? I rinse out the sinks. I unload the dishwasher. I sweep the kitchen floor. I put on the kettle for tea. You know, I prep my breakfast and I'm doing all of this while listening to an audiobook. So technically, I guess it kind of looks like multitasking, but in fact, I've done those things for so long that I'm doing them on autopilot. So my brain is completely tuned into the audiobook. I'm not really paying attention. And to be honest, putting the audiobook on makes it easier for me to do all those things and not be like, oh, I've got to unload the dishwasher again. <laughs> the you know what I mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it makes it so that it's pleasurable and I'm not thinking about the unloading the dishwasher I'm thinking about mm, the mm. right and so that to me isn't really multitasking as far yeah. as like trying to actually accomplish multiple things at one time that require my conscious thought and you you mentioned pleasure so I yeah. I think I saw a post or, or something that said um that we have to incorporate more like little pleasures into our lives so yes. whether it is you know like purchasing yourself a cup of coffee what are some yeah. of those like little pleasures that you incorporate into your life yeah going for a walk oftentimes especially if I've got to make a difficult phone call or any phone call at all that's going to be a long time um, I'll go for a walk as long mm -hmm. as the weather's not miserable outside <laughs> um, going for a walk um, like having a cup of tea. Um, I love tea. I've always loved tea since I was a kid. I was like, I was like seven years old the first time I drank Darjeeling, which is like, like a strong caffeinated <laughs> <laughs> tea. Right. And so, you know, so just tea kind of reminds me of the way that I explored the world as a child, tasting and trying and doing different things. And so I love that about tea. Um, and there's something is so comforting about its warmth. Mm. it's so simple but it's so simple but I just love it <laughs> it, it sounds I very it. intentional living it is, it is. It. <laughs> yeah when I'm like oh you know I'm pretending this is a tea, especially like chai or um mm. or earl gray when you get that that smell of bergamot with the tea with the with the earl gray or you get the the sense of the ginger and the and all of the different spices, the cardamom in the chai, like you get just taking that intentional breath in and out while smelling it. Yeah. It's just so good, you know? And again, because scent is, is our strongest connection to memory and emotion. So for me, the smell of tea reminds me of my curiosity as a child. Mm -hmm. And so it's so pleasurable for me. So mm -hmm. like those are the things that I tell people to hold on to as well when it comes to pleasure is to what are the things that remind you of of how free and carefree and you were as a child before you had all of this responsibility and all of these things that felt so so full of pressure for you 
And that that is such a good thing to think about as well, like at least like once a week, because we get so busy. So what, what yeah. is the one thing that you can do yeah. that's going to bring back or make you feel this, you know, this yeah. good experience that you can bring it into this life right now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you have any workshops coming up? Yes, uh, I always have uh, like a couple of, there's two workshops that I do every single month. You can definitely check out on the website. Um, one is on intentional, uh, on life design and intentional living and leadership. That's uh, 45 minutes. Um, that's, it's a condensed version because we're just, I try to um, make it shorter so people could do it during like their lunchtime. Okay. Uh, but ultimately there's like a 90 minute version um, that we could do in real life. Uh, and then there's one on specifically on leadership, and that's also a 45 minute. So those are those come up um, each one once per month. Uh, and if you want to do that and it, that time doesn't work out for you and you've got like a couple of other people you'd like to do it with, definitely reach out and ask because we could schedule a time that works for you because people all over the world don't necessarily, they definitely don't have lunchtime at 12 o'clock noon, my time, right? <laughs> and so if it's something that you want to do, but it's not available to you at a time that works for you, definitely reach out and let me know. Okay, thank you. Thanks so much for sharing that. And so we, we didn't really get into the leadership, but what, what can one expect from the leadership workshop? Yeah, in talking about what does it mean to implement curiosity for yourself as a leader, to implement respect as a leader to practice accountability mm. as leader, right? And to recognize that no one is served by us pretending we know everything, right? And we are much better served and companies and teams work much better when there's diversity of thought, diversity mm. of action, right? And so how do we implement those things? How do we practice those things? And how do we become true leaders instead of managers or bosses? Mm. And and um, is it only for leaders of organizations, or is it also for leaders of self and leaders? It's for all everyone, yeah. Because yeah. and I love that you said it that way. Because yes, it's important as leaders of teams and leaders of organizations and leaders of communities. Yes, it's important for that. But no matter who you are, you're at minimum leading yourself. Mm. And I think that the beautiful part about it is that. If, even if all you're leading is is yourself, that going through and doing the leadership workshop helps to transform the way you see yourself as a leader and mm-hmm. may in fact lead to you then being able to take opportunities to step more into that role of being a leader in other ways in your life. Yeah, those, those workshops sounds very exciting. I think I'm definitely going to attend one as well. Yeah, I would love that. Yeah. Sounds really yeah. good, yeah. All right. Thank you so much. We can everyone find you. Yeah. The best place is on my website. It's www.consonate.world. I'm sure it'll be tagged in the show notes. Um, I post and spend most time as far as social media is concerned on LinkedIn or on TikTok. On TikTok, it's just Shana Francesca. Um, but yeah, those are the places I post most often. But if you're looking to connect with me directly, my email and everything is on the website. Okay, perfect. I will drop it down below in the show notes. Thank you so much. I I really yeah. enjoyed this conversation. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs>